welcome back to Jake's World, episode 27 of Jake's World. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Thursday, August 6th, 2020. For once, there isn't going to be a segment about one of the four major sports. A lot happened in the last three days and a couple of topics to talk about, but before I get into that, the major sports are back and I'm getting a gambling itch. Got a buddy, he's got a bookie, right? And um, he makes sports wagers often. And this week I've been kind of talking to him about it like, hey, you got any action today? Got any action today? And it's like I can see why this becomes a big problem for people. Not like, you know, going to the casino and cranking the the penny slots are playing blackjack but like sports betting makes sports so much more interesting and I can see why so many people do it and I was pretty indifferent to the legalizing sports betting movement but now I'm all in on it I want that to happen me being able to pull up sports on my computer to even just watch the game cast makes the day so much more fun and I'm all in on it so I got an itch. I haven't scratched it too much yet, but in a month or two, I might be heavy in the game. So, enough of that. Let's get into today's show. Oh, Blackhawks, baby. Big 4-3 win last night. The end of regulation was huge. I don't like their chances playing against the top offense in the league. Edmonton's really fucking good. They got Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a ton of other studs. But the old burly boys of the Blackhawks dynasty, they still want to play. The young guys are contributing. We got Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook, Crawford, all these guys. I want round two for the Hawks. The Chubbies, nah, they're getting slaughtered tonight, but playing some good balls late. Okay, that's enough of those. Enough of those major sports. Tuesday, something terrible happened in the Middle East. Unless you lived under a rock or you don't have Twitter. I didn't see it on Instagram. I'm sure it was out there somewhere. But I was in the wormhole of watching all these different angles of this explosion that happened in Beirut, Lebanon. Now, this area of the world, shocker to none, is full of tragedy every day. It's an area that is torn apart by violence, and at first glance, I thought something bad happened, you know, as a part of the political, theological, religious issues going on over there. But it wasn't that from what we can tell so far. There was a, an explosion... That was caused by um, ammonium nitrate, and that's a chemical that's extremely flammable or combustible is the word. It's used in fertilizers, right? And there have been dozens of recorded instances of this substance exploding and causing tons of damage and loss of life. Now, I was 
like you shouldn't say fascinated because like that's not the right word because I'll get into it in a minute but a ton of terrible things have happened many people died and hundreds and hundreds and thousands are you know impacted by this directly or indirectly impacted by this tragedy that occurred Tuesday evening there but Tuesday morning over here but the videos that people were um that captured they, they captured this on it was incredible like you could see the smoke in the background like this occurred in Beirut the capital of Lebanon and it was on the port in the Mediterranean Sea and you could see like the aftermath of a first like the first explosion there was just two series of explosions and the you could see the smoke coming from the building that this stockpile was you know this stockpile of ammonium nitrate was being stored in and then all of a sudden you see this huge explosion and like this mushroom cloud and then like a shock wave almost well it was a shock wave but you think of a nuclear one it wasn't like that i mean there wasn't you know people weren't incinerated or yeah i think that would be the word you would technically use vaporized that too nothing like that happened but it was crazy to see what people were doing at the time this happened and like the impact of it and how intense it was how far it spread but let me get into the detail so like i said there was an explosion at this port on the mediterranean coast that was storing this chemical right it was offloaded from a Russian ship on its way to Mozambique on the coast of Africa. And it's been stored there by the Lebanese government for, or Port Authority or whoever, for six years now. Now, think about this. Why would you keep so much of this explosive chemical, no matter what it is, it could be fucking TNT, doesn't, or anything that gasoline anything why would you keep it stored in a place like that for so long it's been there for six years that ship offloaded its shipment in, in 2013 so it's been almost seven years now that's a long time especially when you know how dangerous that is in such close proximity to your largest downtown hub Beirut's one of the largest cities in the Mediterranean. I mean, it's up there with Tel Aviv. And, I mean, Jerusalem might not be on the coast, but it's in that region. They're, Beirut's probably the largest city out there, if not one of them. And, like, that's a real jimbo by the government, isn't it? I would say so. But the death toll has risen to 137 was the highest number or the most recent number i've seen since tuesday now the problem is it started out low but there's been so much damage and like rubble and shrapnel in the streets i mean buildings were demolished in close proximity and then there's been structural damage you know farther out farther away from the port you get but people are displaced and you're finding you know, people have been affected by this, you know, days. It's going to be an issue for weeks. And I'll get into that a little later, too. But 137 people have tragically lost their lives in this incident. And it was so powerful to put this into context that 
you see the videos, right? And it's intense. But you can't feel it. You can only see it and hear it over a phone. That's totally different than experiencing it firsthand. And Cyprus is an island in the Mediterranean, about 100 miles west of Lebanon, and you could feel the shockwave. You could feel vibrations 100 miles away. And scientists say it was the equivalent of a 3.3 magnitude earthquake on the Richter scale. That's fucking nuts. 5,000 people have been injured so far. And this reminded me of a story that I learned in school, right? About Tsar Bomber, right? During the Cold War, the Americans and the Soviets often conducted nuclear tests in desolate regions of their country, right? We tested in New Mexico, may or may not be Area 51. I think that is a government-listed, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was like a designated test area, kind of a classified one, but many people believe that some of these nuclear tests happened within Area 51 or the surrounding area in, you know, southeast Nevada, northern New Mexico, Arizona, out Utah, out in there by the Four Corners, in the Mojave Desert, out in that region. Now, Soviets conducted a lot of their tests in Siberia, right? And they built this um, nuclear bomb that was so large when they demoed it, you could um, feel the impact thousands of miles away. Windows were shattered in Moscow when they tested it like 1,600 miles from the capital in the middle of Siberia. Humans are curious creatures. And no pun intended here, but we like to play with fire. And we have created thousands and thousands of things that could potentially kill us. And yet they benefit our lives every day. Like it's ironic to think that you know a substance that's used as fertilizer can be so combustible so deadly yet it enhances our way of life but got a little sidetracked there 5,000 people have been injured and the blast was the equivalent I can't even read my own fucking notes why do I take notes I can't read them 2,750 ton stockpile of this chemical was located in one structure in this port in Lebanon stored there for six years now the blast is one thing the immediate aftermath of people being hurt or injured hurt injured or killed is terrible right but it goes so much farther than that because of the magnitude of this incident this port itself I mean just look at the one structure where this ammonium nitrate was being stored that port was responsible for 60% of the entire country's imports excuse me there were grain silos next to this as well stored 85% of the entire country's wheat can't use it anymore it's gone and anything that wasn't burned up or destroyed directly is now you know contaminated or not edible 
who eats in bread. Bread's a steeple. Unless you're Irish, you eat potatoes, but you have a huge economic problem now on top of this. Not even just the direct damage. The damage caused directly from this explosion, the I think the Times article said it was the governor of the city. I'm not sure how the Lebanese government structure is over there, but he estimated that there was like there's like three billion dollars worth of damage during a coronavirus pandemic. Several hospitals were destroyed to the point where they weren't structurally destroyed entirely, but you can't take in more people. There's thousands of people hurt. With all the damage to the apartment buildings and homes in the radius, 250,000 people were displaced. That's a third of the population in this metropolitan area. It's a big crisis. And I feel like we got caught up in the videos of it just because, you know, we're 6,000 miles away and all we do is look at our cell phones. But this is a real thing that's happening. And it's a real real problem that I don't know if we understand the um, the magnitude of the situation yet and only the coming weeks will show us that I mean this is an instance like Katrina or um, the tsunami that hit India in the mid late aughts um, the, I think it was a Fukushima power plant nuclear facility in Japan in 20 early teens I'm not quite sure the year off the top of my head but yeah it's a real deal and it's just another classic instance of this year going to hell in the handbasket like what else could possibly go wrong in this year and to top off this segment the really crazy thing is they don't know this is like what they believe to have caused it right I would not be stretching the truth if I stated that this region of the world has suffered from much political instability some of which has been caused by the United States and Western Europe their allies Russia Iran even Israel and its relationships with its Arab neighbors. Violence has always been a part of this. And many people's first instincts was were their instincts were that, hey, maybe this was, you know, a domestic outward act or an attack from another nation. And it doesn't appear to be that way yet. That could change. But I mean, Hezbollah, Hezbollah, I always say Hezbollah, I'm not sure of the correct pronunciation, but they are a militant wing in Lebanon. Many nations, most nations probably, regard this as a terror cell. And do they have something to do with it? Perhaps, perhaps not. Only time will tell, like I said, so... As I learn more, I'll talk about it as well because this is a really big deal and I don't think all of us understand the magnitude of it. I mean, all you had to do is just not be paying attention this week and this kind of inc incident goes under the radar. So, 
keep them thoughts and prayers and hopefully things get a little better over there now move away from something move away from something so somber let's talk xfl right so this is the third time that the xfl has had a resurgence right 2001 the XFL tried to be a competitor with the National Football League, and that didn't last very long. Last spring, the XFL launched with Vince McMahon, WWE owner, uh, president. He was an investor and owner of the league, and he had it funded. They had a 10-game slate trying to compete with the NFL. And coronavirus cut that short. But now, I believe it was Monday or over the weekend into Monday. I forgot to talk about it on the last show just because I wanted to get some more details about it. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and an investor group that he is doing business with has purchased the XFL or is finalizing a deal to purchase that sports league for $15 million with plans of implementing a bubble like season in 2021 in the spring so now product wise am I really that compelled to follow it not really I mean I thought it was a good idea Um, the kind of play they had was unique they had a little different rules from the NFL like uh, extra point stuff and you know, they had reporters talking to players on the sideline, and you had, I remember I was watching one game, and, like, he was, the quarterback was, like, playing like shit, and he was bitching about the coach, you know, not calling right plays and shit, and then the coach heard him, and he starts yelling about him sucking, and, like, that's really funny to see, right? All the things that might happen on an NFL sideline that we don't get to hear, and so openly and talked about, and, like, that was really exciting for people if you're into that but like that football product just didn't appeal to me just because the quality of play isn't as good I mean the NFL has the best football players in the world it's just like the NBA has the best basketball players in the world the NHL has most of the best hockey players in the world now 30 years ago that wasn't the case because the Soviet national team was incredible in the Russian Super League now the KHL has considerable talent but the NFL has gone 40 50 hell almost 60 years without any legitimate competition to you know it hasn't had any competitors that it's had to fight for market share over I think it's still the largest you know it has the best ratings and it's the most valuable and profitable sports franchise in the country just because it's pretty much got an exclusive I shouldn't say an exclusive season but I think the other seasons run a little too long for it to be competitive right MLB plays 162 games they play from early March sometimes late February spring training starts I don't really pay attention to spring training that's just me. So the regular season starts late March, early April, and it 
the regular season runs till October or early October, late September, and it's wrapped up by late October, early November. Hockey preseason starts in October. The cup ends in June. Same thing with the NBA. They have concurrent schedules. Early November, cups or the Larry O'Brien trophies handed out late May, early June. Football season is pretty compact for the most part. August, you got some spring tra- or some preseason stuff. Vince Lombardi trophies handed out in February. I think, and that's just looking at the season length, right? With baseball especially, it's hard to keep a viewer's attention for 162 games where not all of them have meaning. It's the same thing with basketball and hockey. Most of these athletes say, hey, the season's too long. We don't want to shorten it, though. Well, we do, but we want to get paid the same. The owners are like, no, you're not getting paid the same if we shorten the season. The NFL has the biggest stadiums. They play the least amount of games, and they give out, in most instances, I mean, the Pat Mahomes deal kind of nullifies this argument a little bit, but, well, hockey definitely gives out the least amount of money, but for the amount of money they take in, they don't have to pay a ton of money out. AAVs are much lower just because you have so many more guys on your roster and guys don't play as long. I mean, the only guys who really get paid are quarterbacks and your skill guys, one contract. Like a running back doesn't make a shit ton of money because the average NFL running back career is like four years. The Hall of Famers play 10. It's just a different game. The physicality of the game makes it so different. But I got a little bit sidetracked from what I was trying to say. I guess maybe I didn't. I was getting to that point. The NFL has made their product so competitive with the way they market and you know the product they give a viewer every Sunday. It's a perfect length for us to be engaged. It's People love football, for one, just because of the physicality and, you know, the you see hits and great plays and things like that. It's not like you don't get that from other sports, but it's spaced out in a way where you can manually consume it. Sundays are for football. If you're a religious person, you go to church and you watch football the rest of the day. You watch a Monday night game. Thursday night's probably the only product they are not doing as good at. Everyone watches the game, I feel like, but the games usually stink. But that's comparing the NFL to other major sports. Not the same sport in a different league, right? I remember watching a 30 for 30 on the UCFL, or the USFL, excuse me, United States Football League. Now, this was the closest that the NFL came to having a legitimate competitor in the football space. Now, you couldn't do a toe-to-toe with the NFL. They They own all the commercial rights and the networking rights, and they've got all the stadiums and licensing and things like that. 
So the odds of you being able to have a compelling enough reason for people to not watch the NFL is extremely low. The chances of that happening just aren't likely. So it always has to be a spring league. You know, early March it has to start and it's got to be concluded by May or June. And it's happened a few times. The AF, I think, was a football league. That didn't last very long. Um, XFL, a few stints. There's a stint in 2001. There's this past spring, next spring. I guess it's technically two stints. It got cut short by coronavirus. And then the USFL, that happened in the 80s. Donald Trump wanted to buy the Buffalo Bills, and the NFL owners or the union wouldn't give him an in. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to just start my own league. And he he rounded up a bunch of people. I'm not sure if he was the one who started this, but the USFL was a way for him to own a sports franchise. And he tried to do that. It didn't work out very well, but the league was really short-lived. But there were some talented guys that came through that. Steve Young was one of them. And he earned his way to an NFL contract. He's a Hall of Famer. Won two Super Bowls, I believe, the 49ers. And uh, so what I'm trying to say is I don't think that the XFL's product is going to be good enough to compete with the NFL anyways. Right? It's not that it won't be successful. But there are going to be some people that just don't want to pay attention to football that long just because I don't think the product is compelling enough. If you had guys that were as talented, that they'd be playing in the NFL. It's just natural. The league has the best players in the world. You're only playing a 10-game schedule with eight teams. Now, is that a money thing? Yeah, but you get money by attracting people to watch that. So I feel like the NFL has just been a master of marketing and product development and talent development and, you know, being so closely knitted with the NCAA that I feel like any idea of, like, a spinoff football league is just far-fetched. Do I want it to work? I'm not saying I wouldn't want it to work. I'm just, I don't think it'll be successful. I mean, I think this joint venture with... Um, the Rock and this investor group is going to last a couple of years. He'll make some money out of it, and then he's going to scrap the idea just because it's not going to take off like they anticipated. All the power to him, though. I hope it works. I just don't think it's going to. If, you know, the best opportunity to compete with the NFL happened, you know, pre-technology age, the 1980s, and that kind of fizzled out, I just don't think it's going to happen. And you need a lot of money to start it up, too. It's a, The NFL is a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar enterprise, 32 teams. It's hard work. And you need a lot of resources to make that happen, and I just don't see it happening. Uh, I'm going to wrap up with a little bit of a tabloid headline here. It's not really relevant whatsoever but Jake Paul is in the news again right um his California home I don't even know how to say 
or Arizona home, wherever he was at, got raided by the FBI and they found a bunch of weapons there, right? Now, I mean, Second Amendment's a thing. There's a lot of gun activists out there. Dan Bilzerian has guns all over his mansion, right? So you're like, what's well, a big deal? Well, supposedly these guns were linked to a riot in, I think it was Scottsdale, or somewhere in Arizona, that Jake Paul was seen at a riot. And I remember seeing the headline, but I think he's a piece of shit, so didn't see anything. It's so funny because his brother's like the exact opposite. Controversial a little bit, but just different, right? Because, I mean, I remember a few years ago, Jake Paul, like, made some really distasteful video about that suicide forest in Japan. And, uh, yeah, he's in and out of the news for all kinds of dumb shit all the time. And it's not, like, even real news. Like, this is just a funny tidbit I saw, and it's, like, classic. He's being an asshole again. But it's like, why do people like him? Why do people consume that? And they think that shit's funny? Like, he's an asshole. At least his brother's, like, a little bit driven, I feel like. I've listened to him on podcasts multiple times, and he seems like, an, you know, a little more mindful of the things he does. Like, he did that boxing thing with KSI, and, like... You know, that drew a lot of attention. But it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, just... You know, I guess maybe any publicity is good publicity, but that would work for me when I'm trying to build an audience from scratch. I mean, that guy's a YouTube personality. And I don't... I don't know. It's the same thing with TikTok. It's just not me. It's like, I don't want to see somebody do a stupid 45-second dance or... Um, you know, I don't want to watch their vlog. Like, I don't care about your life. You probably don't care about mine, and that's okay. But I guess more power to you. So, try to keep it a little bit shorter this time. Try not to ramble on. I felt way more organized going through this too. So I guess that's a good start. And hey, I got one out on Thursday slash Friday, whatever. However you want to label that. So. Next show, A Few Good Men. Like I said, watch that flick. It's really good. Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. It's good shit. So That concludes episode 27 of Jake's World. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at JakeSawinski8 at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. If you listen and you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please do so. Rate five stars. Don't rate one star. If you don't like it, just don't listen anymore. <laughs> no, please listen. But, like, seriously, getting those ratings and those reviews help grow that. I mean, Apple has their own algorithms for, you know, searchable things and, you know, populating what's trending, things like that. So just, if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe. So that concludes today's show, and I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Peace. When you walk through the garden, watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you
Don't worry. 